Hey buddies, pals, and friends. Welcome to the What Had Happened Was podcast. It's me, Amelia Robinson from Dave.com. And guess what? This is our 10th podcast. Woo woo! And boy, do I have one that is sparkling like four diamond rings. In fact, it's sparkling like the four diamond rings that Tom Archdeacon gave out before he came to Dayton and met his true match. And just like that, the cat is out of the bag uh, for this very special episode of the What Hot Happened Was podcast number 10. I sat down and talked to Tom Archdeacon, who was not only a friend and a colleague, but he was my mentor for one whole day. It was very special. Arch, of course, is an award-winning, nationally known sports columnist who has told Dayton stories for decades now. Not only that, but he's hilarious and has a snort that you uh, is going to make you just die. He's one of my personal heroes. We talk about how Arch cut his teeth down in Miami and on a bar stool that still has his name. We talk about how he gave out four rings. Let me tell you, four rings. Not talking about championship wings. I'm talking about diamond rings. Talk about LeBron James and holdups and Cuban sandwiches and all sorts of things, including Arch's family and upbringing. Really cool guy. And now that I have your attention about sports and sports scene, don't know if you knew this or not, but sports anchor Mike Hartsock has a brand new podcast called Stay Right There. Mike sits down with athletes and sports experts from Dayton. Really cool show if you haven't checked it out. The What Had Happened Was podcast is sponsored by Cox Digital Marketing. This trusted and reliable advertising leader wants to find a digital strategy that fits your needs. If you like what you hear, and I sure hope you snort as much as Tom does, go ahead and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Time for my chat with Arch. Finish this sentence. What had happened was... Okay, what... What had happened... You gotta actually say, guess it. What had happened was... What had happened was, I was in probably enough trouble in Miami or just enough stuff that I ended up in Dayton and and couldn't go back for a while. (laughs) There. Too many rings out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, basically. You like to go talk to people in person, right? Yeah. Why is that important? Why do, why do you always do well, that? Well, I like that just because, uh, first of all, uh, they can't hang up on you. But second, mm-hmm. you, you just you never know what you're going to see when you go there. Whereas it might be hard for me on, on the phone. I can win a person over if I talk to them one-on-one. Yeah. I can just work them. On a, and plus, you can just see all kinds of stuff from body language. Or you can see somebody walk behind and mm-hmm. the story changes. I just think you make a lot better connection when a person actually sees you and can, and can be next to you. So. Yeah, I think that's like one of the things I like miss that I don't do as much as I want to is like that personal connection stuff right. where you can like look at somebody in the eye. You can like, right, right. they can really see that you're a person because when you talk to them on the phone, it's like it's easier to hang up. Or right. And I mean, plus you just see all these little things. You don't know if they have long hair, dark hair, blue eyes, brown eyes, anything, oh, fancy jewelry, whatever it is, you know, and you just get little little things that add to the story, I think. What'd you come up with that whole uh, interview approach? Is that something you came up on your own? or is Yeah, that- pro- I'm not. I'm one of these, like, the guys like the mouse in the maze or something. I mean, I took one journalism class in my whole career. Is that right? And cut class just about the whole time. So. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because I was, uh, I mean, I started, I did a lot of other things. I was a bartender first in Miami, and I was a... Uh, School teachers taught public school. The lessons I learned on with public school mm-hmm. kids and tended my, my bar was open until five in the morning. And it got, you know, you learned a way to work the bar and you learned a way to deal with school kids of all. I worked in the inner city, so it was Haitian kids, Cuban kids, and uh, and African-American kids, you know. So How did you do that? I did that for a couple of years, 
full time, and then I subbed for a little bit after I was being a sports writer. So. And that was like was that after college or before college? After college, as I got done at at uh, UD, I uh, moved to Mama, Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, for a girlfriend that I had up here, and uh, got down there, and she already had her new boyfriend. So. Uh, <laughs> But her parents felt so bad that I uh, I lived at her house for like. So wait, so you lived at her house and she, was she there too? Yeah, she's there. She's in the next room. Awkward. <laughs> not, not that bad for me. They had a pool. They had everything. So finally, they finally it was her mom that finally uh, suggested that she found a an ad for a sports writer. And so I started out while I was teaching, working as a sports writer part time, and then I eventually moved into it full time. So you didn't go down there thinking you were going to be a sports writer. You went down to chase her. I went down there to chase a girl. It. That was my only, That's my only plan. So were you like a sports dude at um, UD or something? No, no, not really. I was an English major. I was a bio major first, and then I was a communications major, and then I ended up an English major. I worked for the Flyer News for a mm-hmm. little while, but not writing sports. And then I quit the, the Flyer News, and then I just went down there. I I didn't have any bigger plan than uh, to be with this girl. She, That's I, funny. I had bought her a diamond ring, and uh, so she was wearing she was wearing the diamond ring on on uh, her new dates. Oh, really? That's <laughs> real trashy. <laughs> That's all right. And, it worked out. Yeah, yeah, nice, it right? worked out fine. And uh, so, and then I just uh, I had to figure out what I could knew how to do, and I like sports, mm-hmm. and I had been an English major, I knew how to write, so it kind of just meshed together finally. So you didn't play sports? You didn't like... Well, I played sports in high school, not in college or anything like that. I played, yeah, I played sports in high school, but uh, but no, I just, I like sports. And I mean, I'd come from sports, but my grandfather was a coach and my dad had been a coach. So I knew sports a little what bit. What kind of sports did you guys play? Uh, basketball. Okay. That's the main thing, yeah. You graduate UD, you know, four years there. What did you think you wanted to do? I mean, what was the plan? Uh, the plan at first, I thought I was going to be a school teacher. Maybe I took education okay. on the side uh, as a as a minor, so I could teach. And I just thought I never really had a real plan. And this was a volatile time. I was there from '68 to '72. Things were really changing then, and things were for young people. The world was really opening and opening up. So I didn't have a real plan. Mm-hmm. I just thought I might probably go back around where I came. I came from Northwest Ohio, a real little town. I might go back there and be a school teacher or something like that. Or I didn't have any kind of plan really. So uh, so I went to Miami, and it was like this small-town guy in Miami in the mm-hmm. 1970s that was wild. And it was like going to Disney World and having an all-night oh, ni- all pass, man. It wasn't like South Beach like it is now. It was kind no, of— No, like- South Beach was tough there. It was mm-hmm. real run down, and then all the Marielitos came, and, and so, the, the, you know, from the Cuban boat lift. But I loved it. That's where I mm-hmm. hung out. And then when I uh, worked on an afternoon paper, so we got off. I didn't get off till 2 in the morning. And I worked right on the Biscayne Bay, so I just oh, go cool. across go across MacArthur Causeway to South Beach. That's there was two three bars that I hung out there till five in the morning every every night, and then they did some reading and studying. Yeah, and Bible yeah, study. just just going went over for Bible study, and uh, but I, you know, and then I head on home, and that was uh, and but it was fun, and I got to meet like it was all these the night people of mm-hmm. Miami Beach. It was wild, you know. There's uh, drug dealers and hookers and transvestites and uh, businessmen and uh, sailors and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just uh, whoever was uh, the drag- the people of the night, you know. It's and, like the like a cast of characters every night, I bet. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. in uh, Star Wars, that bar or something. Oh. You know, you go in there every <laughs> And I loved it. I just loved it. And I just could hear all kinds of stories, stories that I didn't know anything about. And I'd hear all these stories. And it just opened my, it opened my eyes and it opened my uh, brain 
and mm-hmm. my heart. And that, it was, a, and then to become a newspaper man down in Miami in the seventies when it was, you know, the Miami Vice days. And, mm-hmm. and uh, did you dress it, like that? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite. I mean, I wore Hawaiian shirts every day and stuff like that. But I wasn't exactly a linen and pastels guy on a, well, yeah, on a big funny. old heavy guy. It didn't look kind of funny. <laughs> But it was, uh, it was, it was, I mean, I, I, here's one story. I'll just make it real. The little bar I went to, Tommy's Deck Bar, it's not there anymore. They were filming an episode of Miami Vice mm-hmm. uh, out front. And so the people inside who are these ne'er-do-wells and all, these two guys come through robbing the place. And they think it's part of the show that they're being filmed. So these guys are coming through with their, like, bag and saying, give me that ring. And, and people are, now they're, because they want to get extra film time, they're going, oh, wait, here's my money clip. And here's this. <laughs> these guys went out the back. They weren't part of the movie. They just two guys oh, that decided to, to rob it during the film shoot and walk out. And uh, so they got everybody. And you were there for that? Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, did they get anything from you? Uh, they got a little, just my change in the bar. I told them I didn't have anything else. Oh, so. that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we were at, me and my husband were at, um, in Key West. Like, right, so, right. What is, why is your name on a stool in Key West? My friend was a, uh, ran that bar, Captain Tony's. He was my good friend. And I used to spend a lot of time down there. Whenever I had free time when I worked in Miami, I'd go down to Key West and just hang out there. And so I'd became friends with some of those guys and I spent a whole lot of time in there and one day he gave me a bar stool in, in, in my and it's still there too right or I think so it might it might be by now it might be out by now I'm not sure but it was out there up to about a year and a half ago I know I haven't seen it since when you first started doing the sports writing stuff were you doing like long form kind of journalism or was it shorter stories like play by play kind of stuff yeah some of it was play by play when I first started I covered games you know I covered like high school games at first and then I covered Miami Hurricanes and Dolphins and also I do game stories but then I I would always have a couple long form stories in there with it so and I, I wrote longer than most guys anyway so uh yeah, I've seen you. I've yeah. seen you in the paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first started, I got paid by the word, so I learned to make it. I learned to make it count. I, I kind of did offbeat stories because I worked for an afternoon newspaper. The Miami mm-hmm. Herald was the morning paper, and they were the big paper. So we came out. We'd come out after them. So you had to come out with something different. I had to figure out what they were doing, mm-hmm. and then find something else that was different and I thought better than that and something that would hold up even after their story came out so it makes so like you, a second day sort yeah, of yeah it makes you mm-hmm. look at something this way and then turn around and look at another way and, and that that helped me I think just develop my my eye and my attitude to writing like like you've done all this stuff like the sports hall of fame stuff and all that yeah um is that weird to be in Hall of Fames and all that and be, like, looked up as this writer guy? A little bit. It's not, I mean, that's not why I did it. I just do it. I did it because I liked it. Really had fun doing it. And now as you get, I guess as you get, like, old like me and you're still upright or something. They, uh, they, they, you're, like, 14 they, or 15. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but they, you know, yeah, it's a little, it's a little weird. Just uh, it's not why I do it. But, uh, I mean, it's nice to be honored by your peers or whoever, but I feel a little uncomfortable when I got to get up there and, and uh, say something or mm-hmm. do something, you know, because it's just, I don't know, I'd rather be kind of behind the scenes doing somebody else's story. Now, what what are your favorite stories? I'm sure you get to ask that all the time. Like, what well, are your Well, my, my favorite sport is boxing by far. My stories are just when I can find something that not everybody else is doing. Off, one person kind of just uh, really shares something that they haven't done shared before, or something like that. So it doesn't have to be like famous people. It's just yeah. I'd rather just. Uh, you know, sometimes it will, but it's hard to get it from a person that's pretty savvy on the, you know, or being interviewed all the time. I, it's just everyday folks. Yeah, I don't really story. like myself to interview. I mean, I don't dislike it, but it's not as fun to interview famous people. Is it? No, and it's just 
and, and I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm all that and everything, but it's, it's harder to get, you got to get through all the PR people. Right. Usually they've been asked, they're tired mm-hmm. of being asked questions. And every once in a while you can really strike up a chord and something really cool happens with somebody like that. I interviewed Martin Sheen a, a while back when he was here for you. And that turned out just great. I was nervous. I thought I was, and he just was really kind and then sent me a letter afterwards and That's stuff nice. like that. But for every one of those, there's been 15 of them that have just been, you know. Like, kind of like. Yeah, like they, they let me say my question, move mm-hmm. me along. No. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't think Allison Jenny, and she was yeah. really cool like that, yeah, too. Yeah, but. Just like somebody who's down to earth and like but, regular. But, um, Almost. you know, <laughs> pro athletes, you know, especially now when, when you're going in pro dressing rooms and all it's uh they're mobbed by everybody so mm-hmm. uh and but there's there's people i also like sometimes the pro story like i like lebron james i think he's really i just like what he's become i first wrote stories about him when he was a teenager and to watch him turn into this man and have a social conscience and do all these other things and he's always carried you know been a stand-up guy i, mm-hmm. I just really uh, except maybe the time he left cleveland right boo that well it still hurts but, but yeah <laughs> but no i just think he's done well by his hometown mm-hmm. and by not forgetting the kids there and and now he speaks his mind and so I, I like a guy like that so if you go to a room with lebron james would he like talk to what what is that like does he talk to you or talk to certain people he likes or how does that work he doesn't know me that well you know mm-hmm. i mean he yeah, when he was younger, you know, I did several stories on him when he was in high school. I had his mom real mad at me one time. but uh, well, For what? Stopping the party for just a second to remind you that you are listening to the What Had Happened Was podcast. And it's me, Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com. We're going to finish that cliffhanger in just a second. I, for one, believe that Dayton is oozing with awesome stories, and I just love to tell them. You can help me continue to tell these stories in a few ways. Subscribe to this podcast and rate it wherever you like podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, i.e. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and all over the place. Tell your friends about the What Had Happened Once podcast, and you can even become a sponsor, just like Cox Digital Marketing. This is our 10th show, and I am mighty proud of what we've done so far and can't wait to see what's next. That said, this is what had happened when Arch had that run-in with LeBron's mom. So they were doing a... a- interview a private interview at university of akron or something after he was a high school kid they wanted the the room cleared of all media so just one i forget who it was was coming in to to interview him in the middle of the room like an nbc like a big that, shot kind of yeah. yeah and i just thought ah bullshit with that and so i <laughs> snuck in the top of the arena and snuck down to the seats to listen and all of a sudden his mom spotted me in this <laughs> empty gym and she starts hollering at me and I just like kind of laugh and she starts marching up the seat. So I just keep backing up and he's down in the middle of the floor watching this whole scene unfold of his mom, who is a firecracker. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Back me up. <laughs> and I just kept going one step. So that was, but you know, he, he's, uh, he's the people that deal with him a lot that I know, like, like Marl right now or people like that. Uh, I think they deal fine with him. They, uh, He's pretty sincere, I think. You know, I don't know if you remember this or not, but you were my mentor for like a half an hour. We went to, <laughs> yeah, we went over to LBSI. Yeah, it was something special. That yeah. was when the um, company was trying to get everybody to be mentors. And yeah, stuff. yeah, like, yeah. Have you nurture young talent. Yeah, <laughs> um, we got a free meal out of it. It was delicious. I had a Cuban sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like the first time I had a Cuban sandwich there. So thanks for that. All right. <laughs> 
Um, one thing, like we go to, I go to school sometimes and talk to kids about you know writing and all right. and journalism. They all want to be sports reporters and all right. sports. What do you want? What do you tell those kids who want to you know do what what you've done? Good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, what I did or what some of the stuff I did, you can't do a lot of it anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, I my job when I my last days in Miami and when I first came here, I mean, I was on the road a hundred and. 30 days a year, maybe traveling. You know, we used to cover the Olympics all over the world. Mm. And I'd go to Vegas and cover big time fights five times a year, uh, Super Bowl, you know, NCAA tournament, all that. We don't do that anymore. It's all different now. You know, it's more localized and it's social media. I just think you need to be adept at be able to do as many things as you can do, you know. I still think, like, when I go out, I still think there's a lot of, when I go out to talk to young people, they don't really know how to interview somebody too much. Right. I mean, like today, because you're just communicating in 140-word mm-hmm. bursts or something, and you're never looking up from your screen. So you never actually go out and talk to somebody. Right. Have to draw out a story. Well, you got to interview somebody for 40 minutes. They'd, they'd freak out. They don't. And so that's where the stories come, because if you just live in that world of the Internet, the same things just kind of get rehashed a lot of times over and over. And It really is real easy to just, I mean, it's not easy, because I juggle a lot of stories right. at once. But, like, you know, okay, i got to do this story. I'm going to send this person some questions but it's absolutely true what you say you get the most and the best kind of like responses when you talk to somebody yeah now it's a you know it's a pain it's time consuming you gotta go over there like I just when I just came from here I went over to Central State to talk to this guy so that's a half hour over Mm -hmm. and then it's a it was 35 minutes wait until he got done running on the track and then sit down and then and then turn around and come back you know so that's whereas on if you could just get them send him a message or something you, you get it done a lot quicker but it also wouldn't be as good as yeah the just i wouldn't have as i don't feel as confident in myself that i can m- make it sing with without being there so i need all the help i can get so so you think people are expecting a certain thing from you or expecting like people probably i don't know i, I couldn't see people wanting you ever to write like a little short thing about no, that's not what I do anymore. Yeah. And they 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 expect like they're going to get either something special or and and I don't want to. If I just had to go out and just uh, just write game stories or stuff like that, or if I just had to just respond every day to the news of the day and just write out mm-hmm. a bang out. And we have people that do that. You know, I'd retire all the way. You know, but I still want to do. I just like doing what I do. You know, and uh, I might be like his old dinosaur that still <laughs> walks in the newsroom. Well, there's people who've done that, and there's you know, you know, don't ever want to hang it up. And I don't. I, it's fun. It's a, even with all the craziness you have to do as a journalist in today's world, it's still fun. I still like being involved. You know, I don't know how long I like to do this yet, but I still like uh, right now. I like being plugged into my community a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, if I just quit all the way, then I don't know why it's going to be me and my dog at home and my <laughs> wife uh, when she gets home from work and stuff like that. I because I, I don't have any. Uh, real big hobbies or something. Oh, you don't I like do. golf or something? I or used like to bo- golf yeah. uh, with some guys, and but no, I don't really. And do a little gardening and stuff like that, but nothing. Read, you know, read stuff like that, but nothing really that really consumes my time. I just like being involved in this, still involved in the community a little bit, and just tell them. And I think there's like there's still. Uh, you can still do some good. I, I, this might sound like two patting on the back, but I still think you can do some good to go out and do some of these stories. Right. Like nobody else is going to go over to Central State no. and look for some kid and do this story. I mean, a lot, too many times the stories we have of a 18 to 22 year old black kid is something bad happened, right. some kind of trouble, and you stereotype it like that. But this way, you do this story, and you can this paper, this story either on their computer screen or tossed on their porch. You can put the, a story of this kid 
on somebody on Oakwood step tomorrow. Right. You know, and that's the cool part of it. And vice versa, you can find somebody over there, you know, in a, in one of the, you know, Centerville or Oakwood or Bellbrook or wherever and bring it to West Dayton or something like that. And I think there's still there's still some worth in, the, in that. Yeah, I think it totally means something still is valuable still, even though yeah. like things, times are changing, a lot more stuff that people can get. Right. It's, it still means something. So would you ever like um, want to write a memoir or something like that? or? Yeah, people ask me that, and I thought of that already. And then uh, I just never got well, I got a lot of stories. <laughs> I got some stories. I mean, I got some stories that I never told or some stories. Oh, tell me one. Just one story you never told. <laughs> Wait a second. Let me think here. I don't want to get fired right here on the spot. But yeah, well, I, I was in Miami during the Miami Vice days, and I uh-huh. liked both Miami and Vice. So, <laughs> so, so <laughs> which may be a reason why I'm in Dayton now. <laughs> but uh, I just had a lot of fun, you know, and did a lot of a lot of stuff. I, Statue of Limitations is up, though, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, so when you first got to Dayton, what was it? I mean, like, what was that whole transition, like, coming from, like, a big city to, like, a um, it, like a small kind of it, it town? It was weird. Like, to- I, smaller town. I, I, you know, I worked at the Miami News, and I loved it there. I, lo- mm-hmm. I would I, I would have stayed in Miami forever. And if it was up to me now, I'd be living back in Miami. I, I, but my wife doesn't like it that much. I, I love it down there. And I go there about every year. You but, should trick her and tell her you're taking her to Pickwood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. This is Pickwood. I promise. They just brought in palm trees. But, you know, they, uh, you know, the paper went out of business after like 90-some years. It was it went out of business. And so they everybody got kind of transferred to different Cox papers. They brought three of us to Ohio that were had Ohio connections. I thought I'd stay. They gave us a little bonus if we'd come to Ohio because when they when oh, they really? were going to, yeah when they were going to uh, close the Mama News they put up a uh, sheets of paper on the wall Atlanta Austin Texas uh, Palm Beach Florida wherever they had papers back then they had one out in Mesa Arizona and a couple other places and you could sign your name where you wanted to go oh that's pretty cool yeah well a month in there was no signatures under Dayton oh <laughs> so, really yeah so they came to. Uh, a, few of us and three of us and uh, said, you guys are from Ohio, right? Well, two of us were from Ohio and one was from, uh, I don't know where, Florida. And so w- we worked out a deal and we came and, and Brad Tilson also had offered me a job, you know. The former publisher. Yeah, former publisher. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I had come up here once before, a year before, uh, to interview for a job. Now I didn't take it. I didn't want to, before I knew our paper was going to, they had an opening here and, and I didn't, uh, so then he offered it again. And so when I came here, I thought, all right, I'll take their little bonus. Mm-hmm. I'll come up here. i got to stay six months, and then I'm getting <laughs> the hell back out of here. I came up here with a different girlfriend, as a matter of fact. Also, where am I How many ring? girlfriends have you had in your life, would you uh, say? Uh, <laughs> yeah, my wife doesn't listen to podcasts, so I'm cool. Uh, I had a few. I had like uh, four diamond rings out there before my wife. Are they're you out, kidding me? No, they're out there someplace. So. Oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah. So anyway, you just have like a in your like a car glove box or something. No, <laughs> I didn't get any of them back. Uh, so I just, uh, of course, they weren't the most expensive diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> so I got up here and I, I thought, man, I'm not going to stay here. And it was it was tough. I mean, I was in you know I was used to a big city and then and we but I got here. I'd lived in Dayton before though, so I knew it. And my family and it turned out to be a good thing because my parents were getting older, mm-hmm. and so it gave me a time to reconnect with my family which is about two hours north of here my dad my, you know my dad lived a oh let's see four years after that three years after that and then he passed oh really and so it was so that was that was a good thing and then I met my wife here who's and the rest is kind of history and 
they treated me well here when I first came. They really treated me well. And I got to do a lot of things back then. I got to do, and I just, the people here really embrace the paper even more so than Miami, you know. Now, I like Miami. I like some of the, you know, the mix of all different kinds of people and stuff going on all the time. I really miss that. But but I got to, this was this was all right. I got to like it pretty much and I made some good friendships here and now it's it's it's, it's my home. home yeah so what were your fo- you mentioned your, your dad dying dying when you first came back here yeah. what were they like what were your parents like they, they were pretty cool they both had my father grew up real poor in uh Don Hamilton and uh had gotten a basketball scholarship and played at Miami University for a little bit got hurt became a school teacher ended up in this little tiny small town up in northwest Ohio got hired as a coach and a teacher up there my mom was a her dad was the head coach, and she was a high school senior, and then she went off to college. And then uh, they, after she got out of college, they became a couple, and then uh, they were good. They, my mom was an English teacher. She really, oh, so okay. they pushed education. Their sports was big in our family, but they were just, uh, you know, they were, they were great parents. You know, they just kind of guided you to uh, kind of find out about the world a little bit. That's cool. And that's, yeah, which was, you know, uh, something for that age that they had both gone to college and stuff like that. And, and that your did, mom was actually working, too, because a lot of women went to college if they went and they didn't work after they Yeah, she worked. She was a school teacher, and she also worked at – my dad was a school teacher for a while, and then he worked at this little lumber company, and then he eventually got took over the lumber company, and my mom was the bookkeeper. Oh, really? And and now my sister runs it. She drives the truck, and uh, her <laughs> husband works it. It's just a, it's a small place, but it does – it's still up in this little town, and, and – uh, so it was a uh, you know a good good upbringing. They were uh, I lived right next door to my like my wife always gets on me because my wife grew up in East Dayton, kind of tough, you know. Okay. And she says, "Man, you had this idyllic childhood kind." And I did. I had it pretty nice. So I I got no like a picket fence kind of childhood. Well, yeah, kind of like that. My grandparents lived next door, and so yeah, it was it was cool. And so that, and that, I bet your dad and stuff was over the moon though when you became a sports writer since sports were so. Yeah, they liked they liked it pretty much, you know. And they'd come down to Miami, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when I was working in Miami, I'd bring them down there and I'd bring them to games, and then, and it just opened their eyes, you know, because I'd bring them to like oh like high school games or two mm-hmm. inner city games where I knew everybody, and they would just be they just loved they, yeah they just loved it. And I they mm-hmm. got a, a I took them to a lot of sporting events over the years around down in Miami, you know, to dolphin things and the horse races and boxing matches and stuff like that and they were kind of you know they were kind of small town they were like holy smokes but they loved it you know they had and they they also knew how to have a good time they like to party a little bit yeah they did (laughs) yeah i can remember we had a little bar in our basement and i can remember all these couples my dad became a referee later when he was uh and i can remember these referees coming in from their different games uh, on a friday night about 11 o'clock and it was pretty soon there's a big party down in our basement and you oh, know, that's fun. And, uh, yeah, I could sit on the steps and listen to what was going on and stuff. But, yeah, it was uh, – you're making me think back to stuff I haven't thought of in a long time. But, yeah, it was uh, – it was it, so it worked out pretty good. It, it turned out to be a good uh, – you know, when I first started, when I found this job as a sports writer, here, here's where my diamond ring paid off. Even though <laughs> I didn't know how to type – I still don't know how to type. I type with one finger. So, But I didn't know how to type then. And when, so when I went down for this newspaper job, they asked me if – you know, you know how to type. And I go, of course I know how to type. You know, so I'd have this old girlfriend in exchange for still wearing my ring. She'd type up my sports stories. So she she was an old girlfriend at the time, and she was typing up your stories. Yeah, she'd type up my <laughs> stories ahead of time. I'd bring it in that morning at my little desk there. I'd put a piece of paper and pretend I was typing. I was just like, it was already typed. Oh, that's it. hilarious! And, and so it took them about a month and a half till they caught on. After she got ticked at me and said, "No more." 
you know. Oh, that's funny. And uh, by then I was hired, and you know, so. So you would like write them out and then have this girl. Like, She'd type them. But, who, I, but she was your ex-girlfriend at the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's funny. See, the thing is, you were like this this uh, stud here, Tom. Just admit it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Poor Ray. Like. Yeah. Uh, she getting girls to do like typing for you. Uh, and it's uh. <laughs> And that, but it wasn't the same woman who you went down to Miami for. It was another. Yeah, that one. girl. Yeah, that was the girl. It was oh, her. that was like, so that yeah. was like she's like a. Have you ever talked to her yet? Yeah, oh yeah. I, I went out with her after the her second marriage failed. I went out oh, with her again. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> Could have worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we both agreed that it was just a good that it didn't work out. Yeah, I'm sure Kathy would like. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kathy is like happy that it didn't too oh yeah so there's some days now she wishes it would have worked out <laughs> she's like calling so, that girl on the phone yeah yeah she's just still take him. you back come get i'll drive him halfway down uh, that's uh, funny yeah well like what is a t- typical day like for um tom archdeacon well now that i'm uh retired and wor- working on a contract here it's a little different than before i mm-hmm. uh you know, I start out, me and my dog do something, <laughs> hang out. My wife goes off to work, and it's uh, great to see her take off. <laughs> then I st- start working on some story ideas. I got like three or four things going, uh, trying to figure out which is the works the best, and then find one and go out. And I like to I like to do my interviews one-on-one, so I, mm-hmm. I always try to go out rather than do it on the phone and uh, head out and do my interview. And I'm a real slow writer, so it's a long process. But, yeah, it's uh, – and then come home, and uh, when she gets home – Hang drink out with a, her. Drink a little wine, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, well, cool. Hey, thanks, Tom, for coming in. I appreciate it. I'm glad we finally sat down and chatted. I, I appreciate this. You're, you know, and this, I'm not just stroking you because you're here. You're when you go out and just do the community and do. There, there's nobody that that's where you're going to make your mark and be forever because you can really get people. You gotta, you can see the big picture, and yet you can go in and get the trees. You know, so you just oh. when you tell all the stories. That's something that nobody else is doing right now, and uh, God bless you. Well, thank you. God bless you, too, and thanks a lot. I learned about you mentor for a day. All right. <laughs> thanks. Now, doesn't arch just shine like four diamond rings? Just like diamonds. Thanks for listening to the What Had Happened Was podcast. It's our 10th episode. I cannot wait for you to hear number 11th and 12th and 13th and 14th and 175. We'll be here for a while. Until next time, have a fabulous day. Bye-bye.